May it be today. Amen. Yeah. You know, truly, that um, as rapid change in our society picks up speed, more and more believers are really asking, are we there yet? And by that, of course, they mean, is this the end of time? Even secular media, secular people are asking that question. Not believers, secular people. The British newspaper, The Telegraph, in its uh, issue of July 27, 2021, headline, question, is this the end of the world? And then after the headline, it goes on to ask the question, every time I turn on the television news, I'm confronted with, and I'm quoting here, with the apocalyptic panorama, fire, flood, never-ending plague. But the believer's question is this, are we experiencing some of the prophetic announcements regarding the end of times? The question is, are we seeing the signs of the nearness of the return of Christ? Please listen carefully. In the past, these questions have often been asked by older generations. Uh, and, and, and I know that. I know historically, I know from my experience, older generations. Now, if you follow the social media, and I, de- I keep in touch because I want to know where the culture is, uh, you find that that question is now being asked by some of the younger generation as well as older generation. And as we see the Christian faith being maligned globally, not just in some corners of the globe, globally being maligned, as we see that happening, and as we see anti-Christian groups are in control of governments and of the media and of academia and of major corporations, as we see Christians being persecuted but not just in these countries out there like we used to, but in some traditionally Christian lands. Many are asking this legitimate question. Is this it? Is this it? Believe it or not, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ asked that same question back then. About They were very curious about the signs of the end of times, and they asked Jesus that same question. So we're not alone. And since I am totally incapable of answering the question or come close to answering the question, I want to go to the Lord Himself and let Him answer the question. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 24. And if you don't have your own Bible, it's page 1538 in the Pew Bible, Matthew 24. I'm going to come back to it. But in verse 3, there is the question. Verse 3 of Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus the question, what will be the sign, or the signs in the plural, of the coming of the end of the age? But as always... I don't often do it well, but I try. As always, I like to put everything in the Scripture in its what? 
I love you. I really do. <laughs> oh, as Hawkins said, this is the most biblically literate congregation he's ever preached to. <laughs> you see, Jesus and his disciples were sitting on top of the Mount of Olives. You got to get that. My beloved brother and colleague, Mike uh, Pearson, who's been with me for 19 years, shot this. Put the camera on that screen so they can see it. Uh, this is the studios where I do all my interviews when I'm in Jerusalem. CBN, TBN, all, I do all my interviews from there. And when you sit in the balcony of these studios, you're looking up there and you see the uh, Temple Mount. Roll it again. So I, I want everybody to get, get the feel of that. This is the Mount of Olive. Actually, from, that's, that's the view from the Mount of Olive where they were sitting, but you didn't see the mosque, you would have seen the temple, <laughs> which, of course, the Muslims came and built that mosque on top of it. But that, they would have seen the temple where they were sitting down. That's why it's called the Olivet Discourse, because the conversation was taking place on the Mount of Olives. And the questions the disciples were asking Jesus was a very short question. <laughs> the question was short enough, but Jesus ends up giving them the longest answer he's ever given. And because it is the longest answer Jesus ever given, I want to take my time with it. We'll probably going, be going through it for the next several weeks. I'm not going to rush through it. I want to take my time with it. I hope that's all right with you. I'm going to be next few messages going through this chapter. But before I even get to Jesus' answer to the question, I want to remind you that all of the disciples, all of Jesus' disciples were Jewish. You say, well, they haven't enlightened me. I know that. Okay. <clears throat> but Jews were trained in different traditions, different traditions. The traditions in which these particular disciples were trained, uh, it was this. They believed that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes to earth, he's going to come and he's going to declare his lordship and he's going to reign and rule all at the same time. Their teaching comes from passages like uh, <coughs> Isaiah chapter 11, and now you pronounce it differently, <laughs> where we read every Christmas with great joy. Isaiah 11, for unto us a son is given, and the government where? On his shoulders. They took passages like Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. And they clung to those words of Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, which are, shall rise, raise up for, from, up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king. There are many other passages. I just don't have the time to go for, through them all. I'm giving you just samples here too. So they understood from the Bible, from the Old Testament, uh, that their thinking was that when the Messiah comes, he's going to come at some point, declare his lordship over the universe at some point. And so, 
That's their understanding. You've got to put, your place in, put yourself in their place in order to understand the question, their question and why, and the reason behind the question. You see, hear me right. This is important. They understood that Jesus is from the line of David. That much they understood. They, of course, know that he was supernaturally conceived in a virgin's womb. They know that he is a virgin's, virgin born supernaturally, not of the will of man. And so they knew he is the Messiah. They saw Jesus perform supernatural miracles like never before. Nobody ever before him has ever done So they saw these signs with their own eyes. Uh, at that point, he had not been risen from the dead, but he promised them that he will rise from the, de from the dead. And so they thought, surely, at, must, at some point, surely by now, at some point, he's going to announce his rule over the globe, the eternal rule. Now, some of you might be asking, well, but he hasn't risen from the dead. Yes, yes, I got that. <laughs> it's a great question, actually. But do you know that they asked the same question again after the resurrection? In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6, the same question. After the resurrection, Acts 1, 6. But here's the one thing, please don't miss. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. I beg you, don't miss this. Most Jews, including the disciples, believed that the coming of the Messiah is only once. He's going to come once. He's going to come once, and he's going to do all these things that were prophesied in the Old Testament about him all at once. He will demonstrate his power over death, and then he will declare his rule and his uh, kingdom globally. And so it was natural for them to say, are we there yet? <laughs> when are you going to do it? When are you going to make the announcement? When is it going to happen? Assuming that this is all going to happen during his lifetime. They were certain now, it's any moment now, any moment, Jesus is going to make his move and going to announce his rule over the world. And oh, don't forget, because we see the evidence of that. They thought they, of course, going to share in the power and the prestige and the wealth of that rule. Got it? Especially, especially after what he said to them in verse 2. Look at verse 2. He said to them, that this magnificent edifice, that temple, and if you've ever been to Israel or seen pictures, I mean, these stones are humongous. You can't describe them. They're huge. I mean, that is, is, is unthinkable when he said to them, that thing, that magnificent edifice is going to crumble. Huh? There's no way. How in the world would that happen? It's going to be desolate? <laughs> this is the center of the universe. Yeah. And so when he said that, 
They said, okay, when is this going to happen? And sure enough, 40 years later, 40 years later, and again, if you, many times I would go there and I would just look and I'll see these magnificent, I don't know how many tons they were. They did tell me, but I can't remember. Ten tons or something. These big stones are not two on top of another. Forty years later, it became desolate. Not two stones on top of the other. If you really want to understand the meaning of the disciples' question, let me rephrase them. I'm not doing injustice to the Scripture. I really, I wouldn't do that. But just understand what I'm saying here. I'm going to, ref- I'm, I'm going to a- a- ask it in a way that you'll understand, okay? What will be the signs of you revealing yourself in your full authority as the Messiah King? Or when is your eternal rule in righteousness and in truth going to take place? We're going to be pronounced. Beginning at verse 4, as I said, Jesus begins his long answer. And he gives him several things that indicates, indicates that his actual visible rule is in the distant future. It's not immediately. And he said, it will be like labor pains. Like labor pains. They understood that. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Like labor pains, there will be false alarms, false messiahs. There will be intentional warfare, international warfare. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. Ah, but that's just the beginning of the labor pains. The baby's arrival still far off. I want to tell you a few things about labor pains, just in case you don't know. <laughs> and as many of you know, we, Jonathan and Lindsay blessed us this week with our number 11. Uh, Eva Adair. She's our number 11. Praise God. What a blessing. Jonathan texts me at quarter to 12 midnight. He said, labor pain started. We go into the hospital. Quarter to five in the morning, he said, the baby's here. That was quick. Listen, I have not personally experienced labor pains. (laughs) And I am going to appeal to all men, all men, all men, never, 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 never think even aloud that you have ever experienced anything remotely resemble <laughs> labor pain. I don't care if you had a hundred kidney stones. <laughs> it does not compare. <laughs> 
Nothing compares to labor pains for women. Now, men, one last word. If you value your life, <laughs> do not ever compare labor pain to anything you've been through. Capish? I know men slow sometimes, but we get it. <clears throat> but we all know the following, okay? Labor pains do not occur at conception. <laughs> well, at least we know that. <laughs> or even throughout the pregnancies. But just prior to the birth. Labor pains do not begin until shortly before delivery time. And they occur in increasing frequency until the baby is born. In the same way, the events associated with the return of Christ, they will not begin until just before actual return of Christ. And then they will occur with increasing rapidity, building up to that great event. Now, with that brief introduction, <laughs> we read the text, and we're going to read it together. Matthew 24, verses 1 to 14. I tell you, we're going to take our time with it. So, we're going to read the first 14 verses today. We're going to have it on the screen. You have it in front of you. And will you stand with me in honor of the Word of God? And I'm going to read the first verse as we have been doing. And then you can take it from there, start reading the Word of God so it can seep into your heart and your mind. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when the, His disciples came up to Him and called His attention to its buildings. Father, only the Holy Spirit can truly open our eyes and our hearts to receive your word by faith, believe it, obey it, and live it. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. I was looking through the archives a few weeks ago, and I realized that I have never preached through Matthew 24. I've alluded to, I referenced it, but I've never preached through it. So this is a perfect time to preach through Matthew 24. I want to show you six, in this passage, there are six signs of the labor pains that our Lord Jesus is talking about. The very first sign of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is a widespread of falsehood and deception. Look at verses 4 and 5. See to it that no one misleads you. Underline that, please. For many, how many? Will come in my name and will mislead how many? Will mislead how many? many. Now, if you've read my book, Saving Christianity, question mark, you would have read about so many people in the churches who have come and said, we are changing the gospel because we want to save Christianity. So many. And I document them, names and, and, and places, and, and they, they, they save Christianity, they think. Deception. Deception within the churches. At the end of times, the influence of these deceivers is going to be widespread. It will be widespread. Please listen to me. We always have had deceivers, but the number toward the end will be vastly increasing. The deception of those days is going to be so escalated like never before. Today, so many megachurch pastors are preaching false gospels, and they claim they're doing it in Jesus' name. Forty years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, and I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. Had you told me that a prominent evangelical church and a prominent evangelical pastor is preaching Marxism under the guise of compassion, I would not have believed it. I would not have believed it. Now I do. And that is why Jesus is warning us. He said, keep your eyes wide open. Be careful. Beware. See to it that you don't get deceived like others. Beloved, here's what causes me to shed some tears, and I really mean that. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. As the number of deceivers grow and increase, so does the number of the vulnerable people who get deceived. These vulnerable people are desperately seeking an answer for the calamities and the pandemics and the sufferings that torments them. As these unparalleled wickedness and immorality invade the church, as we see people take pride in their evil, as we see good called evil and evil called good, as traditional systems and institutions begin to crumble, as the courts usurp the authority of government, as we see sin 
of being baptized into the church. As you see all of that, you stand firm. You stand what? The second birth pain, sign of birth pain, will be unparalleled global disputes and warfare. Have you ever thought how today China is mesmerizing the world? It's mesmerizing the world. Listen, we live through the Iron Curtain, at least my generation have, and saw them invading countries and doing all that kind of stuff. But we have never seen anything like this. One country mesmerizing the world. For example, they have killed, persecuted and killed hundreds of thousands. Of course, they've been killing Christians for years. But they killed hundreds of thousands of their fellow citizens who are Muslims in China. Not a mumbling word from the Muslim world. Not a word. And I read the Arabic press. This is not just an acclaim. I'm telling you, I read it. You say, why? If that happens in Europe or in the West, we would have be up to our balls in terrorism. Why? Because they own them. They own Africa. They have poured trillions and billions of dollars in the Arab world. They own them. They muzzle them. They own the world right now, the whole world. Think about it. Think about it. I have competition. <laughs> I think the, the complaint about the persecution of the Muslim Chinese came from the West. Mike Pompeo is there, I think the only one I've seen on the social media complaining about the Chinese persecuting. Not in the, in the Arab world. Many thoughtful people believe that the in the next few years, not many years, next few years, China will be the dominant economic military power in the world. Think about this. Think about this with me. Think about what's going on in the world today and what's going to happen when that takes place. In the West, where we're really being prepared, I mean, we are beaten up so hard by the woke movement, we're prepared for the Chinese communists. We're ripe for the picking. This week, in the U.S. Senate was a hearing, and one of the intelligent officials said that the Chinese Communist Party has the data of 80% of American citizens. Just think about this. 80% of you data is now in the possession of the Chinese government, the Communist Party. I, I looked at Senator Rubio. I mean, his, he was literally aghast at the testimony of the intelligent official. And they're funding so many groups in the United States that are determined to divide us as people. Question, what does the genuine believer in the Lord Jesus Christ do? Take heart. Take heart. Remember, Jesus said these things will take place. Verse 6, see it with me. Verse 6, see that you are not afraid. 
Repeat that with me. See that you are not afraid. And Jesus is saying that these things are the harbingers of the end, but they are not the end. Question. What are these nations and kingdoms all about? Good question. I believe it's talking about countries that have democratic governments and countries that have dictatorships. Varieties of it. What's the point? The point is that these troubles are going to impact the entire globe, regardless of our political systems they may have. All of them, regardless of their political system, will be global upheaval. No group of people will be exempted from this global conflict. Listen to me. This so-called woke movement supposedly started in America. It's sweeping the world. Some, as I told you, intelligent officials are saying the funding is coming second and third hand, but it's coming from the Chinese to create unrest and turmoil everywhere in Europe and the United States. You see, these global conflicts will be so intensified, are going to be so vast, and no one will escape it. No one. No one will escape it. We have seen how that little tiny virus that can only be seen by a huge magnifying microscope, tiny virus, came to us from a Chinese laboratory, literally, literally shut down the entire world. And that is why the world will be in such desperation that they will fall under the spell of a world ruler known as the Antichrist. I have a dear German friend. He's exactly 102 years old now. My wife and I had the privilege of spending a week with him and his wife in Germany back in 1987. And he told me this, I've never forgotten it. He said, after World War I, the German people were so desperate for a deliverer that they gladly submitted to Hitler. Now we're seeing the world is so desperate, they'll be glad to submit to a deliverer. And we are seeing COVID-19 reveal to us leaders from around the Western world who have proclivity to authoritarianism. We're seeing it in California. We're seeing it in New York, New York, in the United States. We're seeing it in Victoria, in Australia. And we are seeing it in Canada, where they're arresting pastors for going to church. On and on and on and on. And beloved, this is a child's play in comparison to that global leader who will promise peace and deliver pain. But I must go back to the words of Jesus that his genuine believers, he said that to us, what? Do not let that frighten you. I am hoping and praying that's because we're going to be out of here. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Why, he said, don't that frighten you? Listen to me. Please listen to me. Because we 
are engraved on the palms of his hands. We are carried on his shoulders. He who touches us touches the apple of his eye. And you've heard me say this, and you're going to hear me say it more and more and more and more, that I am indestructible until he says so. And so are you. If you only believe it, if you only believe it, listen to me. Fear is killing you, at least some of you. Don't live in fear. Jesus repeatedly, don't be afraid. If you're afraid, chances you're not saved. And you need to come to know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you know he's got you. He's got you. And when he's got you, nobody can touch you. Amen? Amen. Give him glory. Give him glory. The third birth pain, verses 7 and 8, I'm going to move quickly. The Lord mentioned famine and earthquake. These are natural catastrophes, but they'll be in staggering proportions. They've always been there. In fact, Luke, in the similar passage, Luke 21, verse 11, he adds plagues, terror, and great signs in the heavens. This is a, the equivalent passage. And here you thought that people really panicked at the shortage of toilet papers. There will be a whole lot more panic than just over toilet papers. But when our Lord said, verse 7, verse 7, it will be in various places, it means simultaneously. It's going to be global. It's going to be everywhere. When John the Revelator talks about the breaking of the seals of the scroll, he said when the sixth seal was broken, uh, there were... Uh, 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 stars falling from heaven. Then when the seventh seal was broken, the vegetation was devastated. The fourth birth pain, labor pain. Verse 9, the believers will be hated on the account of their naming of the name of Jesus. I always remember this. Please don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I want you to always remember this. The persecution that the righteous believers are experiencing right now, wherever they may be, and we are watched around the world right now in 220 countries, and I want those persecuted in persecuted countries, particularly suffering, really, really, really suffering right now, to listen to me. This is important, my beloved friends. Listen to me. This persecution is not directed against you. It is directed against God. When the resurrected Jesus was manifested himself on the road to Damascus and knocked Saul of Tarsus off his high horses, he did not say to him, why are you persecuting my people? He did not say, why are you persecuting my church? He said to him, why are you persecuting me? Let me ask you this. Have you seen more venom? Have you seen more venom? Have you ever seen more anger? 
Have you seen more hatred toward Bible-believing Christians? I'm talking about to us here in the West. In England, in Speaker's Corners, Hyde Park, you can yell from the top of your voice about any other religion, but if somebody starts preaching the gospel, I have videos of the arrest them. Have you ever seen more hatred toward Bible-believing Christians? Former Christian schools are now openly anti-Christian. Former Bible-believing churches are now spitting venom on believing churches. But listen, always remind yourself, always remind yourself, if you are persecuted for your faith, they're not hating you because of who you are, but they're hating you because whose you are. Can I get an amen? Amen. The fifth birth pain, verses 10 to 13. And actually, the fifth one is the consequence of the fourth one. The fifth one is the consequence of the fourth one. As the persecution heats up, some will forsake Christ and join the non-believers. Here's what the Lord is saying. And please, 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 in your mind, compare this of what we're seeing today, at least to see it in the Christian media, but I'm seeing it in the public media as well, the so-called deconstruction movement. This is a nice way of saying these song leaders and Christian musicians and Christian pastors and Christian leaders are saying, I no longer believe in Jesus. It's called deconstruction, and you hear it almost every week. I'm sorry. And their defection from the faith is really for three reasons. Three reasons. Write them down if you want to. First, because the price is too high, and they don't want to pay the cost of discipleship. And secondly, because the false teachers and the false teaching by those slick deceivers from the pulpits are so convincing. They're so convincing. They're clever. They're great communicators. And so the person would say to themselves after listening to them, they'll say, well, who knows? Jesus may have whispered about immorality and might not be against it like they're telling us. Who knows? God will accept everybody in the end, even those who take pride in their sin. Who knows? Who knows? If the gospel writers really said what Jesus said, who knows? I heard it all. I heard it all. And on and on and on and on. Beloved, that's the oldest lie in the book. Three the oldest lie in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? And you can be God. You can be like God. The third, the most obvious reason for defection. Sin is very attractive. 
It's very attractive, very easy on the flesh. It's easy to kick back and just take it easy. Don't believe anybody who tells you that sin is not attractive. And the Bible said it. Jesus said, wide is the gate. Easy is the way. Those people who do fall away are what I call hangers-on. They were just really hangers-on. They were not born again. They were not believers. They were not really converted to Christ. They were hangers-on the Christians. They were members of the visible church, but they were never members of the invisible church, the elect of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. Look at verse 13 again. But the one who endures to the end, he, she, shall be saved. Finally, I come to the six birth pangs, finally. Verse 14, the sixth and the last one. For now, I'm not through, but I'm finished. The gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached to every nation. Ta ethna in the Greek, to every nation, every dark corner of the globe, you will hear the gospel. And then the end will come. Beloved, despite of the deception we are seeing in the West, listen to me, despite of this whole wholesale departure from the faith in Europe, in North America, in Australia. There are men and women in China, in the Middle East, in North Africa, and in Asia who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ knowing that they are signing their death warrant. Early in July, my wife and I in Europe had lunch with a, a wonderful convert to Christ. His family are the ones who want to kill him. And the smile on his face, he said, if they did, it would have been great. I would have been in heaven with Jesus. The joy, the joy. And it's a privilege that I have, I can tell you that. It is a privilege that you have given me to be able to be with these men and women. The joy is unspeakable. And that is why our Leading the Way ministry is so thrilled to be part of this amazing work of God in these end times. While false believers in the West are defecting, true believers in the East are joyfully welcoming the cost of following Jesus. God is gathering His elect. I really believe that with every ounce of my being. And that is why this final sign of the birth pang for today is that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.
Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, for that person who's afraid of that day, I pray that they will come to you today and do business with you, confess their sin, repent, and receive you as their only Savior and Lord, so that they may receive your peace that passes understanding, and that they would know that their eternity is secured in you. For the believer who's been living to self, I pray that they will have a personal revival, renewal in their faith in you today. And for all of us who literally cannot wait for you to come back, we pray, prepare our hearts, keep our eyes fixed on you, keep us from falling into the sin of self-righteousness and pride. It is so easy, I confess. Keep our eyes on you, keep our eyes on the prize, and so, Lord, when you appear, we'll be ready. For I pray all of this in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.